to two groups in this country, patriots and traitors. No middle ground. Disinformation is not simply lies or falsifications. It is the art of having your enemies say what you want them to say. Who would engage in espionage on Twitter? Who would be that stupid? Not me. It's very important to educate people about these techniques. They have the Great Reset, we have the Great Awakening. Another type of active measure is the agent of influence. And why shouldn't I root for Russia? Because Which I am. You know, it's very hard for journalists to accept that this has been going on. What do you get your opinions from? TV? Disinformation is actually a deliberately distorted or manipulated information that is uh, leaked into the communication system of the opponent with the expectation that it would be accepted as genuine information and uh, influence either the decision-making process, for example, or to influence or manipulate public opinion. I want to see these people go through misery because of their grooming against our children. Some questions remain unanswered. What is the effect of all these active measures? I did nothing wrong. Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. On this episode of the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, we talk about the massive L that the Republicans just took as the Supreme Court shoots down the independent state legislature theory. We'll also take a look at the Oregon City Pride Brawl between rival white nationalist groups, as well as the latest anti-Semitic GOP campaign surrogate, and much more. Well, some big news to start on the democracy front, the so-called independent state legislature theory, which was an essential part of the Moore v. Harper case brought to the Supreme Court was struck down last week. What what is Moore v. Harper? You are probably asking. Yes, we are. Well, (laughs) here's Mark Elias at the democracy docket with the details of the case In taking of this case which originated as a standard redistricting lawsuit in North Carolina state courts involving the state's congressional map, the U.S. Supreme Court opened up review of the radical independent state legislature ISL theory. This right-wing legal theory, advanced by the Republicans in this case, suggests that the elections clause gives state legislatures exclusive authority to set federal election rules, including drawing congressional maps free from interference from other parts of the state government, such as the state courts. He added to his post after the case was decided this past week, on June 27, 2023, the U.S. Supreme Court issued its decision in Moore v. Harper, Rejecting the ISL theory, in its opinion, the majority held that the, quote, elections clause does not vest exclusive and independent authority in state legislatures to set the rules regarding federal elections and does not insulate state legislatures from the ordinary exercise of state judicial review. So obviously, this is really good news for the state of our democracy. It doesn't necessarily fix anything, but If the court had decided in favor of the fringe independent state legislature arguments, well, things were going to get a whole lot worse real fast. Yeah, that's right. Basically, if this case had gone fully in MAGA's favor, we'd basically 
be talking about a 2024 election in which each state got to make their own rules without oversight from the state courts, which the the whole, the whole basis of this does not sound constitutional, No, but you don't ever know with the Supreme court. Do you? They have their opinions on what constitutional is, and it's not what we thought constitutional was up until this term. Well, you know, I guess for the right price, Uh best Supreme court money can buy. That's right. The legislature in each state, if this had gone through, would have put us in a place where these states, a lot of which are controlled by Republicans and in many cases, Republicans with super majorities with some rather fringe and extreme members of that of said Republican Party. And they would have unchecked power over federal elections in their state, which it just does not sound good. Uh, it does not. No. When you when you just start to think about like what what sort of laws are they going to put on the books? Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't sound good. And then the courts say, well, can't do anything Um, that it just would have been very bad. As as legal expert Steve Vladek wrote on Twitter last year, the independent state legislature doctrine presupposes that the Constitution rewrites every state constitution to make the legislature supreme over courts on questions of state law. It's hard to overstate just how objectionable the founders would have found that restructuring. So basically, if this had been the law at the time of the 2020 election, each state's legislature, no matter how extreme or radical, would have been able to find or create a legal justification to pick their own winner of that election. And you bet your ass they would have. I know we've mentioned this before, and I don't feel like it's something that gets talked about in the public very much. But this, again, sounds like they're not basing these arguments off of the actual constitution they're basing it off of the articles of confederation Mm -hmm. which was what we tried in this country before the constitution and it failed miserably because the states had too much power and the federal government couldn't do anything including tax people much less run a federal election for president maybe it's been too long since those days and we've somehow forgotten that Well, certain people seem incentivized to forget it and to not let you remember. Indeed. Yeah. Without oversight, even from the Supreme Court in each state, the legislature would have been able to do things like control or change access to ballot boxes, perhaps in minority communities. Mm -hmm. Uh, Voting by mail could have been either more tightly controlled or just done away with completely. Really, it would have been a Pandora's box situation. And now, thankfully, the box stays closed. For now. And thank goodness, because if this independent state legislature theory had been the law of the land, say, in the last election, Donald Trump would still be president. And not only would he still be president, he'd be able to say he won legally. Yeah, and he kind of... Not not kind of, sort of be right about it, Uh, even if it is a complete bastardization of the Constitution and the founders intent, which, of course, the right loves to claim ownership of, ah, we're, you know, so. The founding fathers were all Christians. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> they were they were atheists and deists, but that's fine. It's it's the the Constitution, the founders, they are they are whatever you want them to be. Ben Franklin was the greatest president we ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Old President Franklin. What was he like? The the third or fourth? Yeah. Okay. Don't don't think about the number. Somewhere in there. After, yeah. yeah, after like the first 
two or three. I don't know. It's he's in there. They all run together at that point <laughs> after Grant or something like that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, God. But what I did want to highlight today, though, is some of the reactions after this case was decided by the Supreme Court. Take, for instance, some of the coverage from the often fake news and rapidly pro-Trump website, The Gateway Pundit. Uh, (laughs) They were. (laughs) They're great. Yes. Really great. Yes. We're talking about The Gateway Pundit here. People deal with it. I'm not going to call it a news site. That website, that domain uh, (laughs) where they post blog entries. Mm hmm. They were big proponents of Trump's stolen election lies in 2020. And more recently, they wrote about the independent state legislature theory and the Moore v. Harper case with great interest. In July 2022, they have a post titled Huge Development, Supreme Court finally ready to hear argument that only legislatures have right to update election law, not leftist judges or executive branch. I'll read from it now so you get an idea of the enthusiasm I'm talking about here. They write, the left is freaking out about this case, perhaps because it is relevant to the corrupt actions taken by states before the 2020 election. In Georgia, for example, the state's corrupt GOP Secretary of State signed an agreement with Hillary Clinton's attorney, Mark Elias, that provided for drop boxes in the state. Only the legislature has the ability to change laws related to elections, Per the independent state legislature theory, the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania ruled that absentee ballots were fine in the 2020 election. The way they were managed was against, they missed a word, even though the way they were managed was against what the legislature had passed as law. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court also allowed ballots to be received in the 2020 election up to three days after the election. Millions of ballots were processed during this time. It was not something that Pennsylvania's legislature ever put in place. In the same post, they wrote later, in the 2020 election in Wisconsin, attorney Karen Muller sued because she felt that drop boxes were created in the state without the legislature voting, which went against the state's constitution. Although her case was initially thrown out by Democrat Supreme Court justices and a rhino justice in the state, a more recent decision by the state Supreme Court agreed that drop boxes were illegal in the state. In bold lettering at the end of this post, they wrote, The independent state legislature theory would prevent actions by radical actors from taking place. This is very important for the future of our republic. There's so many typos on that one. I was going to ask, are the typos that I'm looking at, do we do that or they do it? No, it's the, it's their typos. We're reading these posts and we have to keep changing it because there's... This is not to... a news site, folks. I mean, even the worst news site has editors has a spell check on their program somewhere that they could fix these things what are they doing oh who's writing this shit cassandra fairbank sometimes <laughs> tim pool approved okay okay focusing <laughs> here but yes there is even more on that domain because until quite recently this case was going to be the big one. So here's another post from Gateway Pundit in August 22, titled, Did you know the Supreme Court will finally hear a case this fall on election law? Something they punted on back in December 2020. And we're going to point out this one as well, because Jim Hoff wrote in that post, state legislatures are full of political hacks. We don't trust them. 
Unfortunately, at times we trust courts, state or federal, even less. Take, for instance, the 2020 presidential election. In the lead up to the 2020 primaries and general election, Democrats, state officials in every battleground state and many others implemented illegal unilateral decisions that radically enabled illegal voting contrary to established law. These boldly partisan decisions were challenged in courts across the nation, with courts either dismissing the acts as unimportant, refusing to take action, or else, or else, or else upholding the the propriety of the acts. And of course, we know what happened after the election. Bent state and federal courts doubled down and rubber stamped election fraud and even sanctioned lawyers who fought election fraud. You see his blood pressure rising as he's writing this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) And even as the U.S. Supreme Court refused to hear the Texas motion that would have nullified the presidential elections in Pennsylvania, Michigan, Georgia and Wisconsin, SCOTUS claimed that Texas had not demonstrated a judicially recognizable interest in the manner. Sir, this is a Wendy's. Hoft also wrote in that August 2022 piece a couple quotes that I'll highlight. Most Americans assumed that that was the end of the 2020 election legal challenges. But that is not the case. One case will be argued before the U.S. Supreme Court this fall that could change this formula. The text makes it clear that the state legislatures control the specifics of how elections run in their states unless Congress says otherwise. This is known as the independent state legislature theory. However, this is not in fact how things have been occurring. Gamesmanship, by partisan state officials, and even decisions of the legislatures have been challenged in state courts, with the state's highest courts often trumping the will of the legislature. Surprisingly, the Supreme Court has not heretofore explicitly ruled on this issue. How many times is he using the thesaurus when he's writing this? I oh, feel my. like <laughs> Jim Hoft in conversation would not use these words. No. These are, these are, mm-mm, mm-mm. okay. Nobody talks like this. Nobody. <laughs> uh, and, and so we're entirely clear here. The end of that post that you just quoted says the Supreme Court will hear the Moore v. Harper case this fall. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And, I, I I apologizing. I never I apologizing. <laughs> and I am okay. Stay in character. And I apologize. We'll do it live. <laughs> Stay in character. <laughs> and I apologize here. We never intended to read this much Gateway Pundit on this show, but it's happened and you'll have to forgive me. Mm-hmm. Look, we did that not because it's true. It's obviously not true. I repeat, do not ever take the Gateway Pundit seriously. It's the Gateway Pundit. They get things right as often as a broken clock. But in that article, they mentioned specifically the supposed 2020 election fraud cases meant to keep Trump in power. They also mentioned the independent state legislature theory, now dismissed and kicked out of the court. And they mentioned the specific case wherein the independent state legislature theory, Moore v. Harper, was just struck down by the Supreme Court. The point is, MAGA understood the implications of this case. There should be no doubting this. Nope. But now (laughs) they really don't want to talk about the giant L they just took. So let's check in with Christina Layla at the Gateway Pundit and what she wrote up after the Supreme Court struck down this case six to three last week. The article 
that is titled Supreme Court Rules Against Republicans in North Carolina Elections Dispute in 6-3 Vote. And what's great is Layla doesn't even mention the case name or V. Harper in the post at all. Gosh, it kind of sounds like they don't really want any of their readers to Google this one for some reason, huh? It does kind of look that way, especially when you read what Layla put in her post. She wrote... The Supreme Court on Tuesday ruled against Republicans in North Carolina fighting for a congressional district map. They were just, Griff, they were just fighting for a for a favorable yeah. congressional district map. Just a run-of-the-mill gerrymandering case. I mean, how, how, how could they lose? This is crazy. North Carolina's GOP-led Supreme Court in April overturned a previous state Supreme Court ruling on the congressional maps and gerrymandering after the November midterms. The case was basically over anyway. I, why did the Supreme Court even take it up? I, I'm not sure. Weird. Uh, last year, the then Democrat-controlled state Supreme Court said the partisan gerrymandering, come on, man, said the partisan gerrymandering violated the state's constitution. <laughs> the state's high court, now controlled by Republicans, overturned the previous ruling on the congressional maps. The latest North Carolina Supreme Court ruling effectively made the Supreme Court's case moot. Again, what? Why are we even talking about this? Yeah, it's move, she, move on. Move on. This why did she even week. write this article? I, this is just su- such a nothing bird. I know, goodness. really. Seriously. Quote, state courts retain the authority to apply state constitutional restraints when legislatures act on the power conferred on them by the elections clause, unquote. Chief Justice John Roberts wrote in the majority opinion. Justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and Neil Gorsuch, in dissent, said the case is moot. Uh, so, yeah. Get, Let's move, uh, guys. Move on. Move on. Let it go. She then quoted an NBC News summary of the case, and that was it, because she just couldn't be bothered with writing anymore. And uh, on to the next clickbait. <sighs> that was all she said? Just this? That's all? That, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, NBC News really wrapped it up mm, just fine. There's, there's no reason to add anything. I don't even know why this case existed in the first place. Pshaw. The case that I won't name. <laughs> don't google it Mm-mm. don't fire it into the website search no <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that was it and they haven't posted anything else and yeah okay the redistricting issue is what brought about this case in the first place so they're not lying about that but i feel like there's a bit of a lie by omission going on here so what you're saying is that even if they're trying to downplay this as some minor story about redistricting in North Carolina, the far right in particular knew the ramifications of this case. They knew how important this could be to Trump in 2024. They sure did until this past week. They don't want their audience to remember any of that. Uh, don't worry about it. This case didn't mean anything at all. We, we lost some minor procedural battle. We're going to put at the bottom of the page on our website if if we even mention it at all. But the 2020 election was still stolen, right? Oh, it's definitely stolen. Very obviously and totally proven that it was stolen. Many people are saying so, and everyone is talking about this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm doing my own research here, and I just haven't really found any evidence that it was stolen. Are you using Google? Mm-hmm. I am. That's the problem, isn't it? That's only going to get you the fake news. Right. My bad. <laughs> You got to get on Rumble. You got to get on 
You know what? I'm not even going to list the websites. Don't go to the websites, folks. Don't do not do it. They keep trying to sell me like teeth supplements that if I gargle with warm water every night, I'll never have to go to the dentist again. I see, keep getting that ad on Rumble every time I go there. It's amazing. <laughs> There's one of them about, uh, I recently saw about Romanian uh, martial Oh, Romanian arts Rambo. Movies. That guy's great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then you can protect yourself mm-hmm. and n- nothing bad will ever happen I, I watched to you. that and I was like, what have I been wasting my life on? Spent all this time learning Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I could have just gone to the Romanian Rambo and he would have taught me what was up. I mean, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You really dropped the ball there. I know, I know. But yeah, you know, evidence, evidence is a, it's really a subjective term. I've Didn't you listen to Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk and Tim Pool and Fox News and a hundred other guys say is the election stolen? Was the election stolen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I, I've heard them all say that, but I know evidence is subjective and all that. And it really, you know, we each have our own truth and everything, but that's not, that's not evidence, is it? Listen, listen, asking questions is its own form of evidence, is it not? It's getting closer to the truth because you're a truth seeker and independent thinker. And how else are you supposed to get that? You have to ask the question or you're going to get censored by the social media sites that are owned by all the liberal billionaires. All the, all the, can't say that. Got to go. Are we still using that excuse? I don't know. I still feel like <laughs> there's, there's, pro, there's some hidden code in Twitter that they're still finding and it's still shadow banning mm-hmm. me. I'm still being shadow banned. Elon is looking, he's in there. He's in the trenches trying to find mm-hmm. that secret shadow ban code. Twitter files part four it. or whatever it is. It's not because he fired everyone and he doesn't know how to code. It's it's because those liberals hit it real good. Okay. Yes. Those liberals, those darn liberals. Democrat run Soros funded liberal Twitter. I will admit looking around for the reactions on the story was uh, kind of fun because <laughs> the first one I heard mm, talk about this case was Ben Shapiro, and he just made it sound like there was a story about congressional redistricting maps. And I was, well, well, that's kind of dry. Yeah, that that's not what happened today. That's not the story. And then I thought, okay, okay. If if even Ben Shapiro is downplaying it, well, let's let's go look through. And I start to look right. I start to look at. Temple and human events with Pasobic, John Solomon's site, all these fairly fringe, either MAGA or just far right sites. And it's either not there or they've buried it at the bottom of the page. And you start to realize, oh, this was the strategy. Let's take this apart piece by piece and make it seem like it was nothing, even though this really would have been a central feature in 2024 if the case had gone their way and they would have, it would have been everywhere. They would have blown up. Everyone would have been talking about it. And instead they're not even mentioning it on their podcast. Most of the shows this week, were talking about the new rat fuck against Hunter Biden that they've cooked up. Right. So when you've even got Ben Shapiro, who's a DeSantis guy, and he was certainly on the side of the election deniers in 2020, but he wasn't a prime. He wasn't the primary mover of all of that, all of the lead up to January 6th. But even he's downplaying it. And you've got all of the normal MAGA types that are downplaying it. And you've got Steve Bannon going on his show. And he did actually talk about it. And he had John Eastman, 
the guy who authored the coup memo that aimed to keep Trump in power after he lost in 2020 by saying then Vice President Mike Pence could have refused to certify the state electors and thus you know, effectively nullify the 2020 election results. He's not sure where to go with it. I, I watched the interview and it just sort of derailed because Eastman starts getting all technical and Bannon's trying to find some kind of win here, some way to, <laughs> to complain about the media and do all the things that he usually does. And eventually he just, after he kind of flails around a bit, he picks a scapegoat and he says, oh no, well, what really happened is the Bush appointed chief justice, John Roberts. Well, he's, he's the bad guy here. Yeah. The rhinos, the rhinos did all this to hurt Trump. Yeah. Basically, usually because they hate Trump and MAGA is always under siege, even if it's from the Republican party. Yeah. Have a listen. And this shows you the cowardice of John Roberts. And I want everybody in this audience to fully understand this. What Bushies are like. Go back to that Arizona opinion and how adamant and how strong his dissent was and specifically what he said about the state legislature and then compare and contrast that to what he did now that they've protested at his home. I mean, look, these guys cratered to the mob. This is French Revolution stuff. This is they cratered to the mob because they're afraid. They're afraid and they don't want to go against that. You saw that we started. And by the way, we could have played two hours of just clips like that for our cold open today. Two hours of just, you know, radical theory, French theory, you know, Trump, they want to crown Trump king. There's no, no discussion ever about crowning President Trump king. The 2020 election will always be a scar on the American electoral process. And I've said from day one that Joe Biden's illegitimate, illegitimate presidency. I'll never back off that. That's my belief in my thinking as a free American citizen. And we can back it up with receipts that they don't want to ever address. John, So, but I just want to focus on Roberts because this gets to the hub of it. This is why people were so, quite frankly, enthusiastic, although this thing shouldn't have even been brought. It should have been taken off given the reversal in North Carolina. But he wanted to do it. He wanted to take it. There was no need to, to have this actually be argued. He wanted it. And he wanted it to show the left that he's a good little boy. He's a good little boy and he's in his place. That's exactly what this is all about. <laughs> I love how Bannon says they can back up their statements with receipts and the left doesn't want to address those receipts. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which receipts, Steve? Which the Supreme Court, the, the highest court in the land, which granted is not the fair arbiter of truth and justice it once did. It is very right leaning. Mm-hmm. But even they, even they made it clear that this had no legs. Your arguments related to this for the 2020 election are null and void. The election was not stolen. Time and time again, you take it to the court, you try to prove it, you can't. You lost. Your fringe theory with your weirdo Claremont attorney who wanted to be (laughs) dictator and Donald's sidekick is... It's done. It failed. You lost. Oh, but didn't you hear? It only failed because the rhino bushy caved to the woke mob. John Roberts is the uniparty, and they sabotaged Trump once again. That's the real truth to the story. You're right. Yeah, I forgot. They did nothing wrong. My bad. But this is the sort of story I, I really want to put in front of a Trump supporter and make them listen to it and process it and really answer the question of, Do you ever consider how often you might be lied to by your own side? Because 
look, MAGA started planning to keep Trump in power months before the 2020 election even happened. And mm-hmm. just in case, just in case he lost, mm-hmm. they started planting those seeds well before the election. And whether it's all the cases they took to court and lost, whether it's John Eastman or Morby Harper or the independent state legislature theory, or it's the big bad chief justice, John Roberts, the bushy rhino, there's always someone else to blame. There's always an excuse. There's always some sinister plot behind why MAGA didn't get their way, why the shadowy cabal is still after Trump. And there will be another one after this. They'll come up with something. They always do. But maybe, just maybe, Trump lost. John Eastman's a kook. The independent state legislature is a made-up idea. And Moore versus Harper didn't go your way because it's a stupid, unconstitutional idea cooked up by Rudy Giuliani in his underwear. But right-wing media, for all their talk about thinking for yourself, doesn't want their audience to think too hard about this story or this case anymore. Huh? Hmm. So strange. So weird. Weird, weird. weird. Well, uh, speaking of fascists. (laughs) Keeps coming up. There's that phrase. Coming soon to a podcast near you. Yes. uh, Speaking of fascists, there's some drama in Fashland. And of course, everyone involved thinks everyone else is a fed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Thanks, J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone I don't like is a fed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a there was a brawl at the first ever Oregon City or Oregon Pride celebration between members of the Proud Boys and another group calling themselves Rose City Nationalist. According to Oregon Live, two people were arrested over the weekend after a sidewalk skirmish broke out between rival groups demonstrating against Oregon City's first ever Pride Night Festival. A now viral video of the fight shows a cluster of people wearing the black and yellow colors of the Proud Boys using flagpoles and fists to force back a smaller group of masked demonstrators at about 4 p.m. Saturday near the Willamette Falls Community Center at Washington and 15th Street. It seems that the smaller group of demonstrators were part of a group called Rose City Nationalists, and the founder is actually a former Proud Boy, among other associations we'll get to. (laughs) According to Kelly Weil and Alexander Reed Ross in the Daily Beast, RCN, Rose City Nationalists, or RCN, is part of a larger network of white nationalists, quote, active clubs, which promote violent beatdowns against enemies. The group and the Proud Boys, which also glorify street brawls, have crossed paths before. RCN's founder, Casey Knudsen, has been affiliated with multiple far-right groups in the Pacific Northwest, including area Proud Boys who yelled at him by name and called him homophobic slurs during the Saturday confrontation. Activists have long documented both groups' presence in Oregon. Nevertheless, wonderful Republican lawmakers like Thomas Massey. Hey. Yeah, real real winner, that one. He's great. (laughs) Amplified allegations that RCN members were feds, He said, quote, feds or not feds, unquote. And then it really sort of just derailed from there. You had several others who were jumping in the fray, including wide swaths of the far right. Dan Bongino got in the mix, as he is wont to do, Mm -hmm. among others. This is this is their go to now. It is. The article continues. The allegations are the latest instance of elected officials describing white supremacist groups as a federal psyop. Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who 
has herself spoken at a conference hosted by white nationalists, implied that recent demonstrations by fascist groups like Patriot Front, quote, looks like a Fed operation trying to create racism, white supremacy, and racial division where none exist. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> And the Daily Beast article didn't mention this, but the anti-fascist group it's going down among others did. It seems that the Rose City Nationalists founder, Casey Knutson, in addition to being a former member of the Proud Boys, is or was also a member of Patriot Front. They wrote, Based in the Pacific Northwest, as Rose City Antifa wrote, this neo-Nazi group was founded by, quote, Gaston, Oregon resident Casey Knutson, a former Proud Boy and member of Patriot Front. Like Patriot Front, the group has a dress code of khaki pants and black hiking wear and has taken part in White Lives Matter days of action and far-right protests against drag events. In Eugene, Oregon in October, members of the group threw up Nazi salutes at an anti-drag rally only to later run to their cars from a much larger anti-fascist crowd. So, if it seems hard to tell these far-right bigots apart, well, it's because they're often interchangeable and some of them are the same people. Yeah, that does seem to keep happening, and they have the same enemies, they're pushing very similar propaganda, they're all very focused on the trans and LGBTQ community, and they even dress the same, mm -hmm. so... You can jump from one group to the other and you don't even have to buy new clothes. It's it's Kidding. really it's really streamlined now. What a what a clever idea. But they're different, right? Somehow. They're different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 playing on this, we had a Daily Mail uh struggle to call it an article, but a post <laughs> about the incident that it really made the Proud Boys seem like the good guys, about how they were pushing the awful racist, the big, bad neo-Nazis out mm -hmm. of the demonstration. And it's it's really great. It's a really great example of how not to cover groups like this. Yeah, it's pretty bad, even by Daily Fail standards. Uh, stories like this, where they say things like, the Proud Boys ran off the Nazis. They just give cover for the politicians and other bad actors, guys like Thomas Massey, who would rather not acknowledge that these guys are, at best, a feeder team for the Nazis, and at worst, nearly the same thing. It's really dangerous to frame it like this, especially when the slightest amount of research would have revealed that they could really care less if the people who they end up next to while they're protesting these events are actual Nazis. Yeah, that's that's really not high on their list of concerns. You go look at the footage of any of these protests from the last few years that the Proud Boys attended and look for the people wearing skull bandana masks. These are a huge signifier in that scene. And while it might not necessarily mean anything to the Daily Mail, you can certainly believe that it means something to the person wearing it. And again, the Proud Boys don't run those guys off unless it's a case like this where it turns out that there's a personal beef. Yeah, but they love to act like they do. So when something like this comes up, they're going to milk it for all it's worth. Yeah, and this Fed narrative is music to their ears, too, because the FBI is the big bad for the right. So calling them Feds is designed to make anyone who goes after them seem sympathetic. Yeah, and it seems like the once future current king of the Proud Boys, Gavin McGinnis, uh, <laughs> we don't know his status with the group, but depends on who you ask. He 
also got in on the Fed accusing action in the aftermath of the event. He wrote on Telegram, quote, masked feds show up to Proud Boys event. Proud Boys immediately call them out, tune them up and demask them. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, right wing social media celebs took to Twitter to ridicule the active club, calling them feds. Yeah, and at, several of those people did get unmasked, and when they were unmasked, anti-fascists pointed out the various neo-Nazis that were under those masks. They uh, apparently have not found any federal agents. No. Strange. Yeah. Strange. Strange. Yeah, so this whole scene, this whole, ah, uh, the feds are, feds are out in force, it is very reminiscent of the neo-nazis and patriot front marching in dc right rather recently uh-huh it's so weird how this keeps happening all these feds showing up at right-wing protests doing all the same things yeah and despite mcginnis's claims about federal agents the portland oregon proud boys chapter confirmed on telegram that the fight actually had been personal Whoa. Uh, whoops Quote, the incident that occurred was the result of a personal beef between a disavowed member of our chapter, the group statement, or the group wrote in a statement, quote, for a period of time, the disavowed member chose to skulk around, talk shit and dox to current members. Unfortunately, he decided to drag his new bros into his personal issues, unquote. The FBI also issued a statement denying involvement in the sidewalk scuffle. Quote, we are appalled by recent online allegations that the FBI had personnel posing as protesters in Oregon City, Oregon this weekend. Unquote. Kieran Ramsey, the special agent in charge of the Portland Division, said in a statement, concluding that any such claims are absolutely false. Well, I mean, he's a Fed, so of course he's going to deny it. Of course. This just confirms it. Can't trust the Feds. Yeah. Well. The Feds denied it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, though, if you remember a few episodes back in episode 63 of this podcast, we covered this phenomenon of right wing political figures and media personalities trying to say that groups like the Rose Sitting Nationalists and Patriot Front are it's feds. It's all feds. They're marching in the street and then they're going to head back to the FBI headquarters in D.C. Mm -hmm. That it's an initiation ritual for the new feds and nothing has changed since this incident. The MAGA crowd still wants to be able to write off anyone who makes them look bad, so they're going to call these people feds and insist it's got nothing to do with them. Yeah, this is their new go-to when this thing happens. No matter what, the guys who have bad optics, as they used to say, they must be feds. <laughs> because white supremacists don't exist, according nope. to them. They just they aren't even real. They nope. couldn't possibly exist. It's just the feds making it up because they want they want these people to exist. They they really like these people are so brain poisoned and, and infected with brain worms that they think the feds are trying to meme Nazis into existence. They yes. really genuinely believe that. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's no such thing as white supremacy and bigotry. The feds need to meme that into existence to have a way to divide real Americans. Yeah, that seriously what they several, think folks they really talk about this on their podcast they mm -hmm. if their shows they really believe this and you better believe a good portion of their audience thinks the feds are intentionally doing this creating this threat to mm -hmm. sow division in this country and to bring down the maga movement yep absolutely i mean it's crazy that they all got arrested in port lane idaho remember at the Pride Festival last year, Patriot Front, a whole bunch of them piled into a U-Haul truck and ended up getting pulled over and unmasked and arrested. And there wasn't a single Fed in the truck. In fact, one of those guys actually turned out later to be a pedophile. Yep. 
And maybe the intent or at least the takeaway from this event is the Proud Boys now seem like the good guys somehow, which (laughs) is hilarious and untrue and inconsistent with all available evidence. But if you take a look at Proud Boy Telegram, you read their history you will still see some of the worst stuff. And they're constantly having groups break off into something more awful, which says a lot about the vetting process or lack thereof. But even if you don't take the idea to its final point and say, oh, the the Proud Boys are a a gateway drug or a, a gateway organization to further extremism, one way or another, the people who end up being more extreme often start off with mm-hmm. the Proud Boys. So that's got to tell you something. Uh-huh. They somehow keep attracting racists, even though they claim not to be. It's almost like the racists don't actually believe any of that. Yeah. And let's not forget that members of the group were just convicted of seditious conspiracy for their role in the January 6th insurrection. And they are looking at some real big boy time in prison. Yeah, no matter how you spin it, these people are not the good guys. Yeah, do you think they're really going to turn away any of these people, even the ones that go full-blown neo-Nazi? I mean, they might turn away somebody from coming back to the group for a personal beef, but are they going to scroll through somebody's history and say, this fellow right here, he had some real questionable things to say about Jews. I'm not sure we can let him back in the crowd voice. Do you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you think they have a social media director that goes and does? Oh, man, mm, I'm, I'm sensing some real white supremacy vibes with this fellow. We can't we just can't have that here. We just we're. We're a proud, fraternal organization of men. Mm. Mm-hmm. Just civic nationalists who refuse to apologize for creating the modern world. <laughs> well, all jokes aside, it's it's fascinating how they still try to pretend that this isn't actually becoming the norm. In fact, in episode 63 as well, we spoke with Haley from Arizona Right Wing Watch about the Groiper infestation in Paul Gossar's office. And it seems like there's another outbreak. And this time it's on Team DeSantis. Yeah, this story was broken by Breitbart, of all places, about an up-and-coming conservative influencer. I I reject that these people have anything to do with conservatism. But uh, (laughs) nevertheless, he was called a conservative influencer named Pedro Gonzalez. He was formerly a Trump supporter, but now he's backing DeSantis. And if you're wondering... Yes, it's it's from Breitbart, but Pedro has already confirmed that these messages are genuine. Uh, he's also called them a smear, even though they are genuine. But anyway, so for those who might be unfamiliar with this fine specimen of humanity, Pedro has been gaining some influence and some cloud in certain right wing circles. He's written for Newsweek. Uh, actually saw that recently Newsweek refused to disavow him or say that they would no longer accept op-eds from him. They only <laughs> said he, he's not an employee. And, and the Daily Beast apparently asked if they would publish him again, and they would not answer the question. So that that kind of seems like a yes, give it a few weeks and yes. Uh, but Pedro has also written for American Greatness, and he's got 150,000 Twitter followers, not for nothing. No. Yeah, he's absolutely a member of the DeSantis online troll army, or as I am expecting to call them soon, the future Trump troll army. (laughs) (laughs) Things continue the way they've been going. But Pedro, he has for now, he's a defector. And while traitors 
traders can sometimes kick the bucket as a uh, mm-hmm. certain Russian president has often said. Mm-hmm. And he was tight enough to be in DM groups with, with quite a few Trump supporters along the way. And we all know that when this happens, traders get the docs. That's right. You just, you just loyalty is key. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, you stay loyal and you defend the crown as it were. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't want to make Donald Trump king, but like eh. they'll settle for God emperor, you know, pre- president and cult leader. That's like, that's bare minimum. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's bare minimum. So treason as it were a traitor to the cause is a, is a cardinal sin among MAGA. And they're now trying to destroy him because that's what they do. Remember about a month ago when Gavin Wax, the president of the New York Young Republican Club, got shit canned from the Babylon Bee, the conservative quote unquote comedy site. Yeah. So this is the same Gavin Wax that used to run a website and podcast called The Liberty Conservative, where he platformed a whole lot of white nationalists, guys like Shane Trejo, James Alsup, and Eduardo Rivera Puente. We've covered Gavin Wax pretty extensively on this podcast, as well as his connections to both the extremist right, both here and abroad. I don't know how he could have platformed white nationalists when they don't exist. But yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I don't have time to fact check that right now, Griff. I, I, mm. <laughs> yeah, that that's the guy. He got fired on Twitter in an extremely humiliating manner, and he did not seem to handle it well at all. Yeah, it turned into a massive shit fight between Team Trump and Team DeSantis that went on for days. It was awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I ate so much popcorn. It was amazing. Still picking it up. Yeah. <laughs> One of the people who piled on Gavin Wax was this Pedro Gonzalez person. And Gavin had something to say to him. Ooh, I'll bet he did. Especially since it turns out old Pedro was on the advisory board of the New York Young Republican Club. And his LinkedIn, as of yesterday, still says that he is. So Gavin must have felt extra backstabbed. Yeah, that was that was definitely mad online behavior. I'm going to quote Gavin's tweet here about this. He said, quote, how do you feel about Jewish people, Pedro? I've avoided doing anything with the messages I have between your former friends. But if you want to brag about the DeSantis camp coming after my livelihood, I'm happy to play this game. You are a two faced social climber. (laughs) someone someone actually asked gavin later after this was out on twitter if he had leaked the messages and he said no he didn't which i mean kind of flies in the face of his own quote threatening Mm -hmm. to do exactly this and Mm -hmm. and it playing out exactly the way it played out but hey he he did nothing wrong attack 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 never defend and admitting he did something well that's a form of defense and we just we just don't have that around here we don't we don't play that game no we don't no, we don't. We don't cook. No uh, soy in this man's diet. Nope. We keep going forwards the entire time. Nope. Don't apologize to the woke mob. Never mm-hmm. do. It. It's how they get you. Yeah, but mm, sure enough, somehow, mm, mm. somehow, Breitbart, which we should point out, is firmly in the MAGA camp in the current GOP primary. Yes, yeah, somehow they got a hold of those messages between Pedro and his former friends. And, well, we found out uh, how he feels about Jewish people, didn't we? Yeah, we did. It was really bad. Pedro definitely has some opinions about the Jewish people, and he's not scared to voice them. At least not in the group chat that he thinks nobody's going to see. Yeah, his opinions about Jewish people are oddly similar to the ones held by 
the right-wing neo-Nazi groiper leader, Mr. Nicholas Fuentes. Well, that's not really surprising, considering Pedro is a big fan of Nick Fuentes. According to the Breitbart piece, in several other messages, Gonzalez constantly defends and praises the white nationalist and Holocaust denier Nick Fuentes. Gonzalez calls Fuentes, quote, the future, unquote, and says of Fuentes, quote, you can see him gradually refining himself, unquote, because he says Fuentes is getting ready for bigger things. He brags about how he has three contacts with a line to Fuentes, including one who says he was putting the two in touch. I never thought I would agree with so much of what Fuentes has to say, Gonzalez says in another message. In another, he calls Fuentes intelligent and laments that his immaturity does not help him be taken seriously in American politics. Fuentes does one good thing when he trolls Jews. He shows people how subversive they can be, Gonzalez wrote in another message. Ooh, yeah, well, that's one way to put it when you've got <laughs> Nick Fuentes, who is a Holocaust denying anti-Semite, who also says, among other things, that the Jews did 9-11. Mm-hmm. That is a, again, direct quote. This this man is as anti-Semitic as a person can be. Go check his permanent record episode on our podcast. We have an episode all about him where you can verify anything we're just saying right now. Yeah, you can hear some direct quotes from the man himself in his own horrible, horrible Jew-hating words. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, let's return to sanity here. Pedro's friends must have been repulsed by his statements, and they cut ties with him immediately after he said these things, right? Actually, no. These statements were from a group chat called Right Wing Death Squad. Always a good sign. Uh-huh. Between 2019 and 2020. So whoever else was in that chat knew who this guy was and decided to sit on it until he switched teams. Damn, it's almost like they didn't actually care about the anti-Semitism at all until they could weaponize it somehow. That's that's so cold. Yeah, I think that's really fair to say. If Gavin Wax really cared about anti-Semitism in the conservative movement, he'd just go ahead and release the rest of the chats and let the chips fall where they may. But it's pretty clear he doesn't actually care unless it happens to be someone he's mad at. What's also got a sting is that Nick Fuentes mocked him for this, saying basically that he got what he deserved for working for DeSantis. And and I should, yeah, clarify that these far-right neo-Nazi types often really hate Ron DeSantis. He is far too much of a friend of Israel for them. Mm-hmm. Let them eat, Pedro Gonzalez. You thought you could play the game. You thought you could infiltrate. You thought you could sell us all out to work for an Israel spy. Well, I think this is pretty deserved then, don't you think? If you want to go work for the Israelis, then let's see you now bow on everything that you once believed in. And I don't even care. Let them attack him. I hate to see Trump supporters defending this guy. Why would Trump supporters defend him? He's dissing Trump supporters in his statement, thanking them. He says, thanks to all the Trump supporters who defended me, even though they don't agree with me. In the same message, he goes in on Trump supporters and says, well, the only reason I'm being attacked is because I criticize Trump supporters. And anyway, I'm being attacked for messages I exchange with Trump supporters. So it's almost like he's blaming them at the same time. You know, oh, thank you for defending me about these text messages. But they were text messages with Trump supporters. Hello. So they're the real evil ones. 
Why would anyone defend this guy? I don't understand. It's mental illness. Conservatives just love to jump on a sword. They love to be a martyr. I guess for any, they, they love to be a martyr for the regime. They don't love to be a, nobody wants to jump on a sword for me. Ouch. Damn. I know, right? After all the nice things Pedro said about him, too. Hmm. The Trump and DeSantis social media teams are just tearing each other apart over this. They're still going. It's the most vicious primary campaign we've ever seen. And again, we're we're still over a year out from the Republican convention. The Trump people are asking why DeSantis won't disavow the guy. And the DeSantis people are accusing the Trump people of behaving like leftists for trying to cancel him. It's just amazing to see. Yeah, what the guy said was absolutely vile. And his response that this is simply a smear campaign from a bad time in his life just is not credible. Uh, I've read this guy's post. I was aware of him. I'm zero percent surprised by any of this. Uh, He's he's only slightly more tame in public. But it's not like he's the only one who was in that group chat laughing at these jokes. Nope. So after all this came out, Pedro owned up to the messages in the posts on Twitter saying, I can own and take responsibility for my past and admit that I was involved in vile, shameful things. I hope the people who helped dox me, don't know how this is doxing, but these people... <laughs> it's always doxing. Fine, fine. I don't know. I hope the people who help dox me like Gavin can do the same thing when their time comes. He also included some screenshots from Amanda Moore's tweet about Gavin and some of the people he's platformed. So it kind of reads like a threat. Yeah, I'm sure he's sitting on quite a few similar screenshots. Yeah, because if it's one thing that we know, it's that all the awful people keep receipts on each other because they know that they are all awful. Maybe he'll leak them somewhere next. Inshallah. Indeed. And finally, a few shorter pieces of news to send you off with, my broadcaster voice. <laughs> well, number one is don't ever let Stephen Miller near a drone. Yeah, especially if you're a brown person near a United States border. Because it seems, according to former Trump Department of Homeland Security, Miles Taylor, who has a book coming out, and in it, he wrote that then-top Trump advisor Stephen Miller wanted to use a U.S. Predator drone to blow up a boat full of migrants in 2018, which... Well, this is unconfirmed. Sounds very much like Stephen Miller doing Stephen Miller things. Yeah, it does. When you remember that this is a guy who used to circulate articles from the anti-immigrant white nationalist website VDARE uh, around the White House. Whew. Yeah. Miller, for his part, says he has no memory of the event in 2018. But that's not a denial now, is it? No, it is not. Rolling Stone had the story where you can read more, but... Thankfully, in the end, the adults in the room, I cannot believe I'm saying that about the Trump administration, wouldn't let Miller murder a boatload of civilians for no reason. So that's something, at least. Well, it, it was actually the military. The military wasn't it wasn't the Trump administration. It was the military in the room said, you can't do that, Stephen. It's it's against it's against international law. It's, it would be a war crime if we were at war, Stephen, but we're not even at war. It's just. Uh... Uh, yeah. Can, can slow down there a little bit. Well, I mean, adults in the Trump administration. <laughs> Can't even get that <laughs> sentence out, for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we, we got to take the bits of good news and we can get them. 
Anyway, moving on, there's new drama about Hunter Biden that seems to be as concocted as the last drama and the last drama before that and so on and so forth. Supposedly, there's not one but two IRS whistleblowers who have come forward to say David Weiss, the prosecutor in the case against Hunter Biden, in which he recently pled guilty but will receive no jail time. Well, these whistleblowers are saying that Weiss was blocked from bringing charges in D.C. or California. Hmm. Supposedly, according to these definitely real whistleblowers, Merrick Garland blocked this from happening. Definitely very real. Just like every other time they've had a whistleblower in a case like this, it's absolutely real. Even though David Weiss has specifically refuted these claims himself. That is, the lead investigator says no one interfered in his case. And it seems like a lot of times the charges Hunter Biden pled to are ones that aren't even brought. So he got off worse than the average person? That's what it looks like. Right. So now, naturally, Kevin McCarthy is threatening to impeach Merrick Garland over this for, once again, very real and important reasons. Was that before or after my Kevin had to call Trump and apologize? Uh, Probably both. Well, what what did Mike Kevin do wrong this time? Well, he said that he wasn't sure Trump was the best candidate to beat Biden in 2024. <gasps> the horror. One does not question the glorious leader's ability. I know, right? I mean, MAGA got real upset over it. They said that McCarthy was useless and no different than Nancy Pelosi. They threatened to hold a no-confidence vote, which could have removed him from the speakership. And before the day was over, he called Trump and apologized. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Pete groveling was achieved within a few hours. Uh, Let me, yeah, let me read the actual quote from CNN as to what McCarthy reportedly told Trump on the phone. CNN reported that McCarthy called the former president yesterday to apologize. He told the former president he misspoke and blamed the reporters for taking the comments out of context. Later, his campaign sent out a fundraising email saying Trump was stronger than ever. It's still a cult. Yep, still a cult. And the cult needs to lose and lose badly in 2024. Let's make it happen, folks. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can find us on the web at didnothingwrongpod.com. Please make sure you subscribe to get our content straight into your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word for, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza BJJ, G-R-Z-A-B-J-J, as well as DNW Pod. We're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that allow us to keep doing this important work. Thanks, and remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.